You are listening to the No Formula Podcast, episode number 49. I am your host, Laura L. Bernhard, and today we are chatting with sales coach and LinkedIn course creator, Richard Moore. Welcome back to where we chat with a different entrepreneur every week, from app developers, sales experts, and coaches, to authors and social media influencers. We focus on their journeys, how they built their businesses, and the lessons they've learned along the way. Together, we confirm that there is no formula to success. Richard had several corporate jobs before pivoting into entrepreneurship. In this episode, he reveals the life-changing moments that led him to redefine his definition of success and ultimately led him on a different career path. Listening to his story can help anyone who is currently in a career transition. Richard then goes into more detail about how he leverages LinkedIn to build a community and grow his coaching business. He mentions several LinkedIn tips, including how much time you should be spending on the platform and how discipline is a very big part of your success on LinkedIn. Personally, I would say that this episode is a mini LinkedIn course. To find Richard's full LinkedIn course, visit Udemy and search up the basics of LinkedIn. But in the meantime, keep listening to get tips on how to leverage LinkedIn for your business. Hi, Richard. Thank you so much for being on the No Formula podcast. How are you today? I'm marvelous. Thank you very much for having me on, Laura. It's been like a couple of months since we last spoke. I know, and, it's crazy. Uh, I always enjoy your company. So thank you for having me on your show. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I just want to jump right into it and I want to talk about your entrepreneurship. And can you tell us more about how you started? Okay. Um, so there's kind of two moments, if you like, where this all kicked off. Um, I, I kind of the entrepreneurship tent or entrepreneurial tendencies were always really there. Um, I built a computer when I was like 14 and sold it for a hundred quid. And remember going, I could take over the world and start a new business. And that was the only sale I made because I had schoolwork. But, but <laughs> stuff like that, I always kind of looked at opportunities and seen them. But more, more specifically, um, I, I had a corporate job in London. There's no kind of rags to riches uh, stuff. You know, I was actually doing really well. But I had a number of things happened to me. And about seven or eight years ago, I was like, there was just this moment where it just felt right to do it. And I've always kind of had a bit of an issue with not with authority, I respect positions above me, but I didn't really like, you know, following other people's agenda so much as my own. So I wanted to do things my way and being not petulant, but keen to take and forge my own path, let's say. Um, it, it just felt like a really good time to, to kind of jump and kind of the one skill I'd been building since like 2002 professionally was selling. And so I knew that that part, so building, like making money was something I, I'd always have. And, uh, you know, when there's mortgages and cars and family to pay for, you need to at least be able to pay, pay your way. So, um, yeah, I just, I, I started and it was online and, and, and it was a combination of some consulting, but also I, I decided to launch two Taekwondo academies back in 2014 and have that in the background as well. So I've been doing it since, uh, was it 1999. So I'd been, I was pretty good and I was an instructor anyway in London. So I, that originally was going to be the thing I did was a taekwondo instructor supplemented with consulting work and it quickly swung around and became a thing I did in the evening and the consulting took over and um, and an entrepreneurship is an interesting term because 
it was very much a consulting business, but when there was an opportunity to jump on something and, and turn it into a piece of work, I would often, often find myself doing that as well. But really I was, I was kind of building and learning and uh, the consulting I, I was, or the, the service I was giving was probably very sound at the time, but in terms of what my proposition looked like, it, it took time to evolve. And so it's been a very interesting learning journey over the last uh, six or seven years, getting to where I am now and um, establishing, you know, courses, reputation, brand, and, and dabbling with different platforms and finding where my sweet spot is. So it's been a really wonderful um set of events as opposed to one particular moment if that, if that makes sense you said that there are a lot of things that happened kind of before you became an entrepreneur and i think yeah. um the next question kind of ties into this is what is the difference between richard in a corporate environment versus richard as an entrepreneur it's difficult to answer because putting the two side by side puts mm -hmm. together someone in his 20s and someone who's almost 40 now mm -hmm. and with a different kind of world view but in the corporate world I was I was very ambitious and I was I would like to think I was certainly a leader I rose and was promoted and ended up as a sales director and 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 I grew a lot of interesting things um but the um the kind of the soul was given to the work and um it came ahead of everything and very little was allowed in because the work was more important than anything, which ultimately was a downfall. I mentioned there's a number of things that happened around 2012, 2013, just bad stuff happened, which involved like a massive implosion because I was working too much and things like that, which is ultimately where the pivot came from. If you look at the entrepreneur now, um, there's a better definition of, I think, I think of what success is uh, because the success I've been, um, that had been drilled into me through the eighties and nineties was culturally one that's very different to now anyway, but it was also one that was built around being coached really by parents, but also by just culture in general, that success means a good university degree from a good university and then some form of job in London where you wear a suit. Otherwise that's not really successful. And that's just kind of the way the world to a degree looked and, um, you know, you need to be on a train in the mornings reading the Financial Times. And, and I was fully subscribed to that. So it's been quite hard to, to, to kind of unlearn that process. But I feel that now that success is much more of a wholesome definition. And, and that, you know, success means generally being, it sounds really woo-woo, but actually being quite happy, being well-maintained, mm -hmm. spending time with your family and, and doing good stuff, philanthropy, running, you know, working with charities and stuff like that. Success is is getting to bed on time and, 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 and stuff like that. Not just running um, a business that makes multiple six figures. Because if you only do that, you're not successful in other areas. And I think, you know, it, um, I, I prefer that definition. So that's kind of the, the difference in, in how I view it. And so the entrepreneur is perhaps a bit more enlightened as to what my potential is. And my scope each day is definitely broader than, than it was by a long way. Yeah, I love that definition. And you also mentioned charities. And I know you've helped so many companies with their sales and you've built communities on social media platforms, yeah. but you also started the um, Entrepreneur Business Live, right? And those are events where a portion of it, a portion of the profits 
go to a charity. So you've accomplished quite a few things over the last 20, 30 years. And I'm curious, what do you, what are you most proud of and why? I really want to correct, if I may, a tiny point about entrepreneur business life, that it's not a portion of the profits. Mm -hmm. It's all the money that goes. That's even better. (laughs) Yes. And so, so it's really important. So there was sometimes sponsorship of me as Mm -hmm. like a brand ambassador for a product that would pay to fly me to Miami or something. But all, all of it was of my own pocket and really amazing people. I have to shout out all those different hosts who were saying it would be an honor to do this for free. No one asked. There's one person who asked for money for, uh, for being a speaker. They didn't get to speak. And everyone else was like, of course, we'll happily help because it drove all, all these, all that ticket money and, and donations uh, went, went directly to charities. I'm really pleased with it. Uh, I've lost track, but I really wanted to correct that point, if you don't mind. But what, what was it you wanted to ask again? Out of everything that you've <laughs> accomplished. No, well, thank you for the correction. I think that's very important to point out. Yes. But out of everything that you've accomplished, what are you most proud of and why? Professionally, mm-hmm. um, I think I'm, oh God, I could give you a really cheesy answer. but I, I want to hear it. Okay. <laughs> I genuinely think the thing I'm most proud of as in like a, a product of, of, of creative is me. I'm really happy with who I am. I'm really happy with how I've redesigned myself. 2013, I had a massive mental breakdown. I had very bad stuff. You know, my, my grandmother had passed away. I was very close to her. Then my daughter was born without an esophagus and had to have an operation right away. And like spent a year in surgery. I literally commuted from a hospital for three months. We lived on the ward, literally in, in the ward. Um, and then four months after she was born, in the same year, in 2012, my mum died. So I had like all this bad stuff. And then 2013, naturally, I had a big breakdown because of course my, my feeling was, well, why don't I distract myself with more work? So I was doing 60, 70, sometimes 80 hour weeks and staying in hotels in the city just to work, which obviously isn't sustainable. And being in a really bad place, then I, I really was like, all the dark thoughts and things and I had to pivot out. And I, since then, like every single thing I've done has been about brick by brick, not rebuilding myself, but building a new me. So that's kind of why it's like, oh, look, he's getting the kind of the, the misty eyed story. But actually it's, it's been a lot of very difficult moments of, of remembering the things I'm good at even though I'm feeling at the time I was, I was often when I pivoted out, I was a lot, I had a lot of people also not backing me and saying things like you're being irresponsible. You've just had a child and now you're, you know, you're going off on some ridiculous adventure. You know, you need the steady job and your wife who was a lawyer now no longer has any income. What are you doing? Like that kind of thing. Plus a lot of self doubt because I wasn't really sure of myself and I didn't back myself so much because I wasn't believing so much. So I come a long way and I think to be in a place now where I'm really happy with the propositions I have, I'm really happy with the business I'm doing and what I'm giving back um, and the time I'm spending with things other than work, it really makes me most proud of, of that. And that's weirdly selfish, but it from that, it allows me to then be effective in other things. So I genuinely think the proposition I, I, I have in terms of the, the consulting offer I make, uh, uh, my LinkedIn program is really valuable and people 
tell me regularly that it's really making a massive impact and changing their world. That's massive. But one of the things that's front and center is Entrepreneur Business Live. You kind of prompted that because, because it was, you know, we raised $5,000 last year into local charities around the world from mm -hmm. Australia to Canada to the US to Europe. And, and I'm really thrilled that it worked so well. I kind of miss it because it's been six months since Atlanta and London and we had nothing since then. Um, but I'm also enjoying the, the process of having a bit of spare time to do other things. But that really matters to me because when you get to a point where you're kind of all right, it, you realize that you can't just keep pocketing everything. It's not cool. And I actually thought to myself very early on, which is one of the reasons why there's charity donations there, is that it's like bordering immoral if you're capable of gathering so much attention and so many amazing people of influence. You know, people like, I don't know, Mark Mitri, for instance, to like speak at your event, then what you end up with is an absurdly immoral uh, thing where if you have all this money coming in, you certainly can't pocket it. That's not cool. Mm -hmm. You should give it back. And, and, you know, we're all fine doing our own thing. We all get by fine with our businesses. So it makes a lot of sense to, to kind of help people beyond, beyond those in the room. I think it, there's no point making a few hundred quid uh, uh, from an event when I could do a lot better uh, good with it uh, through a charity. So I'm really happy with what we've done and who knows what, what will happen next year with it. I don't think that's selfish at all because you went through so much and you had to grow out of that and become who you are today, which is a point where you're happy and that mm. there's nothing to be selfish about. Like that's no. nothing to be ashamed of either. And I want to ask you for any of the listeners who might be listening right now and going through something similar, what would you tell them to help them get through, you know, their hard, their hard times that they're going through right now? It's, it's really difficult because there's a lot of cliches like you'll get through this, but I don't think that that's particularly useful in the moment when you're having a really hard time. And mm. I think I, I, I would say look to where there might be some support. So sure it might be a therapist, but it might be a family member or a friend that, that gets it and is willing to give you time and listen as much as you possibly can find time for you as well so i would have a, a process where each day i would have some time just to, to kind of by myself for reflection because you need space to kind of grow out of this problem don't think that distraction will heal it time does heal but you need to actually turn and face the problem and stand in the fire and run through the wall and all the rest of those sayings because a problem unsolved and hidden away isn't necessarily solved so spend time with the problem and accept that 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 this is part of your your life and actually the older you get and i'm only almost 40 but the older you get the more adversity will hit you because you know as you get older you have you become more and more an adult and you're more exposed to things like mortality and bad stuff and you don't you don't notice anything when you're a child or a teenager unless you have particularly bad things happen to you and I think as you get older, you realize that there will be a lot of adversity. But if I, if I can say there's one thing to really take from it is that almost always, and I would say this in, I would say this, that is literally, there's no exception in my life, at least. Every point of adversity has, with hindsight, had a silver lining. Perversely, 
my father leaving and me not seeing him for 25 years we only reconnected in 2016 or my mum passing away before she was like way too early when she was like 60 um or my my daughter trying to die a lot in the first few months of of of, uh, of life stuff like that is harrowing but it makes you feel so strong and your perspective is insane and like I can see now how my, my grandfather could handle anything. He was on the Normandy landing. So if it's, everyone's watched the first scenes of Saving Private Brian, my granddad did that. And he was at Dunkirk as well. So like, that's the two worst things in World War II. He stood in the beaches being bombed at and his friend was expl exploded on the beach like, right in front of him. And the guy's like, what would he have been? He would have been, uh, he would have been 19, where he would have been like 22 years old, that breaks you. And so if you can get through that and build his perspective, then you can get through a lot. So remember there's, there's, there's a contrast between what other people are going through, but also understand that almost every form of adversity, ultimately there's something to be learned from it and it does make you stronger and it makes you not complain about stuff. People who moan about their parents, unless they're, unless they're abusive, really need to shut up because they don't know how, they've got it you know and so things like that i just think it's there's there's a lot of bad stuff but remember that it may not be now but there will be a time when you use that to fuel you and drive you and hopefully you've probably noticed already that these things to a degree have defined my trajectory and they definitely make me stay focused and disciplined and i don't waste time or complain because i've got all my faculties and i'm still here and i've, I've not gone through a number of things that other people have so i just think it's they are actually weirdly a really powerful tool probably after you pass through them yeah i feel like it's super easy to dwell on certain circumstances and focusing on the lesson of it i think that's great advice i never thought yeah. of it that way it's yeah. just like if no matter what you're going through if it's something difficult try to look for the lesson to help you out of it and yeah. I do think that if once you go through enough of them, and it's not like there's a number, but after some time you, you do, like, I, really, I think when I was like, in my mid thirties, I started saying to myself, like my, my saying back in, in, like five years ago was I can handle this no matter how bad, like I remember sometimes like there's no money. I need to find money literally like a grand today. I need to find money out of thin air because I need to pay for stuff, whatever. And, um, I remember thinking like, I can handle this because I've been through so much and you, you, you're like, what's the worst stuff I've been through and I'm still here and okay. So tough meetings, hard phone calls, you know, stress against the deadline, you actually find that you can, you can handle it all. It's just, and, and, and being able to believe in yourself like that is, is, is a positive kind of, uh, is positive feedback effect is really is a powerful thing to make you believe even further for the next things coming up. Yeah. And I think you said it best is that you lived through it. So you, you were able to understand this and learn this lesson yeah. because you've lived through it. A lot of people who are living through it don't understand it yet. So I That's hope, right. and I, I think this is going to be super helpful for people is that no matter what, just consider what the lesson is here and take that away to be able to move yeah. on. Yeah. And yeah, I think I like someone said to me recently, um, he's more of a believer that everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. And if things don't work out or something goes against you, it's a really good, it sounds like a bit of a bubble that you're in, but it's a really good 
worldview that if everything did happen for a reason that that your plan to go in this direction that ended up taking you in that direction even if it wasn't predetermined it's something that you can you can say well where is the lesson if you work on the basis that there is a lesson well then what is it if there is a positive to what however bad it is well mm. what is it and if it's not a positive for now what would the positive be for you when you're out of this zone it's just an interesting way of looking at it and it does help you kind of ground yourself a bit and then move, move start the process at least of moving forward yeah i like that i like that thanks for sharing that with everybody um you also mentioned uh your linkedin program and how it's helping every so many people mm. and uh so i kind of want to go into that a little bit more because you started selling, you started your consulting before LinkedIn was even existed. Yeah. So how did content. you? Yeah. How, yeah. So how did As a you? Content play, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. How did you get into LinkedIn, and when did you realize that? Oh, this I can use this. This can be a reliable sales funnel. Yeah. Really good question. It's it's fascinating. This it's crazy, and you can speak to a lot of people who are doing things on LinkedIn. Um, and it's weird how the most senior veterans of content marketing have been doing it three years at the most. It's crazy. Yeah. And um, so like everyone else, I joined it in like the mid 2000s when we just used it. And I, now I, I worked at a headhunting company. So I used it a bit for finding people and things like that. But, but really, I was a Facebook person in 2014 onwards and that's where i cut my teeth on gaining clients for premium consulting there and i used content and things like that and a lot of techniques i knew i knew i could build community because since 2015 i've had a, a facebook group as well and you know done live streaming since probably i think it's something like 2000 my first weekly live stream was 2016 yeah i just saw that four year, i was unbelievable I've i watched it I, did you? yeah it was crazy oh, you were just like guys it's four years that i'm doing this every single week and i was like that's crazy i was trying to put it into know, perspective it, like what was i doing four years ago <laughs> i know it's crazy I'm not, i i can't believe it. 2016 has gone a long way away and i just can't believe that i i worked out that i worked out the maths and it's like over 1600 questions i've answered and it's like oh my god it's it's <laughs> like it's something like two weeks worth of content if you literally watched it back to back and i know you have so we'll have to ask how you found that yeah but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know in your research right yeah in um, my research i listen to all of them <laughs> <laughs> I, I i mean it's 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 crazy that so so i in 2017, in, in literally, I think it was August 2017, they flicked the switch on being able to put video up. You could always write, I think you could do like articles and statusy kind of updates for mm. a couple of years before, but no one really did. And those that were in before, if they did an article, they would get like hella followers. It was insane. They would get so much traffic. Mm -hmm. um, but so this time, 2017, I just, I, I kind of just, I always keep my eye on what's going on around. And by the end of, I think it's like by the by the by the fall of of 2017 by autumn uh, like October November 2017 I called it I remember there's a post out there somewhere that's like something's going on with LinkedIn uh, I really feel like you know that's going to be a, a place we need to go and and then so the next year I remember after like getting back after Christmas going right, I'm going to work on this because if it's where business is and I know I can build business at the communities I, can, I need to get started. But really, I didn't actually start properly with content. I started connecting and building stuff 
but I didn't start with content till March 2018, uh, so about six months after it started happening. Um, and it was weird because rather than a fresh bunch of people, it was like every client I've ever worked with in the corporate world, every boss, every manager, every mm -hmm. work colleague, they will potentially be watching this. This is going to be really weird. But I was like, but the business can really win with it. So let's just go for it. And I remember just that first month or so going, go at it. It's the best thing to do. And I remember this is the example of me as an entrepreneur, if you asked earlier. So, um, I started it in the March and I, and rather than going, let's see how it goes. It was, I reckon I can monetize this. So I, I, I said to myself, I'm go here's my challenge. I'm going to release a course in three months time. Three months is June. So I better make a result. I had like 118 followers or whatever. So I said to myself, I've got three months. Let's go and make some money off it. Let's create some systems or something. And after three months, I had about 3000 followers. And, um, and I generated some deals and, uh, and closed some things. And, and the basics of LinkedIn course that I recorded, that is now the highest rated course on Udemy for basics in LinkedIn, I recorded in June 2018. So that makes it like a dinosaur in terms of online courses, but it's totally relevant still today. And um, I'm th that's one of my favorite products. It's done so well. It's like a really low price point. Udemy love to kill the instructors and give like 90% discounts. I hate it. But loads <laughs> of people, like hundreds of people are down. It's like, oh, lots of people are buying it. Oh, I see why it's 4.99 at the moment. So it's really irritating. It's brutal. <laughs> it is. Uh, I'm, I'm not bitter. I'm very pleased to have a, have a course doing so well. <laughs> but it's interesting because, because um, uh, I just knew that it was something that I could work with and it was such a gift because there is uh, by comparison a lot less positivity and supportiveness generally speaking mm -hmm. culturally on say Facebook it's a lot more keyboard warriors and, and trolling but the best part is that relatively speaking there's no one doing anything on on LinkedIn you know there's still hundreds of millions of people using it but no one's actually posting content and things so you actually end up with the algorithm seemingly being very generous. You just can't miss really. So it's been really nice to work through it and then getting live uh, streaming last year. I actually went to headquarters in San Francisco and bullied them into it in the end because I kept getting rejected on it. I was like, come on, it's really annoying. Have you not heard this story? This, is, this gets me ranty though, Laura. So I don't know if we should. <laughs> okay, okay, we won't get into that. <laughs> All it was is like, I'm going, I'm going. All it okay. was is that, <laughs> I applied on a business platform mm -hmm. to have live streaming because at that point I'd done hmm, three years of weekly live streams and I was like, you know what? I'd be kind of relevant here. And so I got rejected with the stock replies. Like you can consider the following, try posting content, try some video. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like this is all I've been doing. Meanwhile, you turn on, you know, open your browser and just flick on LinkedIn and you get another person with who just been given it because they yeah. were beating it. And you'd be watching their terribly lit uh, uh, live stream with no microphone where they'd be saying things like, oh, I, I seem to have this live thing. I, I don't know. <laughs> and, works. Uh, uh, and I'm like, this is killing me. And I, I'm like, I'm doing bloody recorded video all the time. And, uh, and in, the end, but in the end, so we had this like social media campaign as if it was this big conspiracy of prevent Richard from getting live streaming. And uh, I was, in the end, I, I appealed <laughs> <three times. laughs> because it was starting to become this crusade. 
And then I went to San Francisco for one of the Entrepreneur Business Lives. And I'm, I was like, headquarters, I'm coming for you. And so I met the media team. I had lunch with them. And I'm like, and I was basically like, what the hell, guys? And so, and the guy, I remember making the call to his boss who wasn't there. I was like, oh, yeah, who's not there? <laughs> Yeah. And he made the call in the end. I was like, okay, thank you. <laughs> Could have been a lot less painful. And uh, so then eventually get it, with a lot of other people kind of saying, you might want to give it to Richard. And then I was like, so let's get on with it. And it's so it's nice to have had that as well. But yeah, so the journey has been an up and down one, let's say. But I'm uh, life has been definitely in the main easier because of LinkedIn. I was certainly less happy at the time than yeah. I am right now. Kind of get that. I found it as funny as you are right now for some reason they found it really entertaining yeah it's great if for anyone listening to the audio of this interview please check on youtube how richard told this story thank you very much (laughs) (laughs) i love it i I remember uh looking at the application it says um post a link to a previous uh, live recording that you've done and you yeah. had like three years worth and I was yeah. there like oh I've never I done like, that before well, well, which one of 150 do you want <laughs> yeah, exactly on business Q&A is called startup business <laughs> Q&A I mean come on I mean it couldn't be more we'll just give it to all our friends than that it really must have been <laughs> I remember I'm not bitter I'm not bitter no By the this way, is not... of stories or the newsletter just saying <laughs> I remember in um because going back to LinkedIn and how amazing it is yeah. uh but also how recent the content portion of it is yeah. I remember in 2012 when I started university in one of my first classes one of my teachers said your first assignment you have to start a LinkedIn profile that's everyone has to do it for homework and we were all like, oh, what is that? That's for like business. And although we were in business school, we we're all like, oh, no one wants to do that. And he said, mark my words in 10 years from now, it's going to be very big. Mm-hmm. So I've had it since 2012 because I had to make it, but yeah. I only really started realizing its potential. Like, I don't know, a year ago, two years ago. And still early, even now you're still yeah. early started now I yeah say. I think yeah there's still not a lot of people creating content consistently and I actually want to ask you now because you've been in it for a few years what do you think is the best form of media to put on LinkedIn because you said you mentioned articles you mentioned posts you mentioned you know texts posts like what what should we be doing now it's a good question and um I can't say live because you have to apply um, but I think there's a number of, it depends what you're after. If you want to be an influencer and sell the eyeballs you get, well, then you can download any viral video off YouTube or, or Facebook and post it and you'll crush it. And, and it's really irritating that that's the world a lot of people are inhabiting. And, and it's like you're this, you know, you're a business process analyst or something and you're doing this stuff just for followers. So try and avoid the route of trying to become an influencer unless that's genuinely your gig. It makes sense to post natively. It doesn't matter too much the medium as long as you are stimulating conversation. What really matters is the copy that is going to draw people in. So people are revering content too much in the sense they put the content up and they think it's everything. 
and they leave it and like i'm not going viral what's going on like, you know and mm -hmm. it's because it's 90 percent. sorry it's 10 percent content it's 90 percent distribution mm -hmm. and distribution in 2020 means having a strong network and having a strong network is in is precisely the same uh tricks and and techniques as having a, a strong friendship group in the offline world the reason why when you moved into your flat although you had the lockdown probably if you hadn't got the lockdown it, when you moved into a flat all of your friends would have been rushing to help unpack or at least have be part of the part moving in party it's probably because they think you're a decent person you hung out you know you've been to parties together you cooked them lunch when they were ill and all the lovely things you probably do laura mm -hmm. but but if you didn't do any of that none of them would lift a finger and so you get out what you put in it's the same here and mm -hmm. you know i don't have to go around to people's houses helping them move in but checking in with a community of people that have some element of influence or who are, are, you know, have a strong network is really worthwhile. It's good to be connected well to people who are your peers, sure. But if you want to really grow, you need people to show up for you who have clout. And LinkedIn basically rewards early engagement of posts. So it doesn't matter too much if it's text only, that performs really well, or image or video. It doesn't matter if you're crap on video, so don't worry about it, do text. You know, it doesn't matter too much. But the main thing is, if you get distribution early from bigger hitters, so people with several tens of thousands of followers who have an active network, then LinkedIn will say not only, oh wow, not only are people showing up for this post, but people who are interested, like who have an active network are showing up, we will distribute it further. And those are the relationships you wanna be, be cultivating because those kind of people of influence uh, are you know that they, they go a long way when you know when you tag them legitimately in a meaningful way they will validate that tag by showing up and and that further feeds the distribution so the way I grew very quickly and like you know gaining something in the region it's not massive but it goes faster probably like a thousand followers a month now is actually by by step changing through having people of, of influence engage with my content because I on, behind the scenes, I'm regularly messaging them in the DMs or showing up for their content, just generally being a good professional friend, if you like. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that goes a long way. And it's probably no, no different to, um, to building a podcast. It makes sense. We talked about this earlier. Uh, you're, you've got your, your guest, Mark Mitri, which is why I mentioned him earlier. It, it makes sense to um, uh, uh, have people where they have some element of, of um, you know, influence out there and that helps i really want to try and avoid using the word leverage but there it is you mm -hmm. kind of leverage their, their them to move up another level and i think that's that's if ever there's a formula for a podcast mm -hmm. then that's mm -hmm. it yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i agree another thing about linkedin because at the beginning of the year i told myself i'm gonna post every single day i'm gonna make sure that it's you know quality stuff that people can talk about and i'm okay. gonna see where it takes me okay and there are two things that I realized. One, it's very hard to post every single day, especially yeah. things of value. Like some days you yeah. just don't want to go on social media for me mm -hmm. anyway. Right. So what is your advice for everyone listening who may not even have the time to post every day? What, what, what do you tell them? Gosh, so many wonderful things I can tell. <laughs> There's so much good news uh, when someone asked that. I was asked the same question earlier today, so I, I'm happy to answer this. Um, firstly, it doesn't matter. The world keeps turning. 
I know someone who's a massive influence uh, on online on on LinkedIn, and she hasn't posted in a month. Doesn't matter. Everyone's still there. Um, but if you are consistent, then you do stay on radars. That's mm -hmm. the thing. And people are like, oh, I see you all over LinkedIn all the time. It's like, no, you just keep looking at my content, which is why it keeps feeding it to you. That's all it is. Um, and people don't see you that you're like, oh, you haven't posted recently. I have. You've just not been engaging in it. That's all it is. It's related to how much they engage. But there are a couple of things you can do. So I don't have any time at all to muck about building content every day. I will not have time for that. I have other mm -hmm. things I, I have to do. And, and content forms a thin veneer on top of all the actual being a practitioner I have, yeah. much like you. Uh, you know, it's not just built, post, posting content that's a full-time job. So I create pillar content, which is probably what you're doing with your podcast. Every Monday, I, I invest an hour in the uh, live Q&A show which my team then breaks down. If you don't have a team, you can do this yourself or you can outsource it to five. It costs you nothing to do really. But my team will take the live stream. They will find two clips and that becomes videos. It then gets uploaded. It's already on Instagram, on Facebook, as well as LinkedIn, but it gets uploaded as an IGTV episode. It will be audiogrammed. There's a guy who's just been brought in now who is making Instagram carousels from quotes that the team have found from that week's content on the Monday. So like all of that month, all of that week's content comes from that live stream, mm -hmm. mostly because I don't have time to stroll about talking into a camera phone. So I just don't have time for it. Um, so, and it's not because I'm kind of suggesting it's not worth much. It's just genuinely delivering on cut for clients means you can't do it too much. In addition, I will of course produce my own content as well. But one thing that's also overlooked is that content is dead within a few days like it's just in the graveyard it didn't go anywhere no one's looking at it. it's no more views and if you look at even a viral post after like a week unless it's crazy viral after weeks like so no one looks at it anymore and so what i do is i will go back four to six to eight or whatever months to a great bit of content that's literally just sitting there and nothing's looking at it and copy and paste it so i was on the vacation last week i pre-recorded the q a because i knew there'd be no reception when i was right and then I, I did only two other posts. So I only posted three times. I think it was last week, three or four times. And the other two, the other posts were reposts. Last night's post, which is done really well, was posted five months ago and eight months ago because it's really good content and everyone loved it then. But also since five months ago, there's a bunch of new followers. And mm. in fact, the old followers possibly didn't see it that time around. So I would say... You know, if you haven't, haven't got much to post that week, you can always post something based on something you've done in the past, but also don't overthink it. Like people are showing up for conversation starters against your opinion as a thought leader. And in that one sentence is everything you need. Okay. Conversation starters against your opinion as a thought leader. So it means don't just share someone's el someone else's post and don't write anything. Give your two cents against a topic that's related to the ecosystem within which you have a service that you want people to pay you for. <laughs> so I talk about sales and engagement and LinkedIn, because that's what I want people to pay me for. And it maps to then them seeing my profile and buying into whatever product there is. But I don't deviate too much from that. There's no pictures with, you know, cats playing guitars, which may have done really well. Or, mm -hmm. you know, I saw one the other day with loads of little ducklings walking <laughs> along and then one falling over. Because, you know, it's hard to walk along a pavement if you're a duckling. And it's like, well, that's cute. And look at your 300,000 views. But 
like everyone's confused they enjoyed the, the, the video but no one's going to buy anything so mm. keep it tight give it a pure signal you can post a couple of lines of text is what are you thinking of that day and the third thing i'd say uh, as well is if you're finding it's t- tough to do during the week just batch your content spend mm-hmm. one hour because because what happens is after 20 minutes or so if you look at the science of it what's the book um there's a book called flow by a guy whose name i cannot possibly pronounce very long uh, mikhail mm-hmm. something um after 20 minutes of working on something you really get into flow so if you can push through 20 minutes of being creative and writing stuff and spend one hour, you can write three bits of content on a Monday morning and you're done. Or do it on a Sunday and you're done. Or if you're in the zone of recording a video, record three. And if you're worried about wearing the same t-shirt, so put a jumper on halfway through, you know, it doesn't matter too much. And no one cares, <laughs> but they're, yeah. they're there for your opinion though. So batching is intelligent, uh, the, the pillar content and reposting, not mad amounts and not like stuff from last week, but you know, things from a few months ago because everyone's forgotten about it. So that's what I deploy. And I would say there are very few people at the very top who don't repost stuff because no one has the time to make new things every day. Yeah. And I think part of that, because you said reposting is making sure that when you are working on the content, that it could be used for evergreen content and last longer than just, you know, what's happening today or last week or something. So, that so way I always you can reuse check. it. It's, a really, but it's getting easier now, but I, I always yeah. checked in the past, like I'd scrub to the end of the video. Cause if it ended with like, um, like use the link in the comments to sign up to Entrepreneur Business Live LA, I was like, oh man, I can't use it. And I'd have to like download it and cut the end off and stuff. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so you, you're right. It needs to be, try and make stuff that's evergreen. It is a really good idea because you mm-hmm. will use it again. And if it did really well, why wouldn't you want to post it again? It makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Another thing that I think I have an issue with on LinkedIn, and I've seen other people mention it too, is just being myself, like showing the real me. (laughs) Being authentic. Yeah, (laughs) being authentic. I was trying to avoid using that word, but yes. It's one of the worst words because it's a good word and we should be authentic, but it's overused. It's overused to the point where I don't think people understand what that means anymore. Like personal branding. It's just like, I do personal branding, but we don't know what it means. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I want to ask you in terms of, I guess, personal branding or being authentic. First, how much does that play a role into your success on LinkedIn? And two, if somebody is shy like me to be myself on LinkedIn, how can I overcome that? Yes. So because you are winning instantly with hundreds of millions of people on there, it means that no matter how absurdly dull you are, for some, you're the greatest thing ever. So, so some people out there, Laura, will think you're interesting. And so you just got to pass. <laughs> Thank <it>. you. <laughs> right, just, just bear that in mind. You know? Just some. But, okay, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but seriously, the, the mistake people make is to try and be someone different because mm-hmm. that's not sustainable and one of the most powerful tools is consistency i am a authority an authority on consistency because i've done i do some things and that people fall by the wayside after a while they can't keep it up but if i can just if i do the same thing for a very long time and involve it and so on like my life live streams um you you become known and and the thing that the consistency has helped me with the most is practically just showing up like no frills no fluff just 
here's a really great bit of value on a particular thing you can deploy immediately in your business, a tweak, uh, one of those, you never knew this, but here's a hack you might want to try things that makes a few people at least say, oh my God, I didn't realize that, or wow, I never looked at it that way. Just doing that and not overthinking how I do deliver it. I mean, you don't want to have like heaps of laundry in the background. You want to look reasonably clean and like, set, mm -hmm. you know, like there's a guy I know who, who like doesn't wear a shirt and stuff like that, you know, come on, it's, you know, you want to, in his LinkedIn profile, he's just there like this, we like poorly <laughs> lit with like his chest hair. I'm like, what? It doesn't really make sense. So, maybe so it maybe works for him. Maybe it works for him and we're, yeah. we're real, like it's post authentic is to get your chest hair out. So we have <laughs> to try that. Um, I hope you don't have any, but I, but I do think that there's a lot of value in, in just simply sharing techniques and things or tips and hacks that kind of how to approach is a really good start point because what you're before worrying about having to entertain people you're being useful and if you're useful against the thing you want people to pay you for consistently you may feel that that's boring but what happens is you get people starting to kind of orbit around you and shop for you again and again and importantly they start seeing you for being the expert you are in that thing because it's crazy the number of inverted commas influencers or people with influence on, on LinkedIn who you follow and you watch their staff and they get huge amounts of, of traction. You're like, I have no idea what they do for a living. You know, it doesn't make sense. They, they show up, they, they share lots of video, but like, but what do you actually do? Like, how do you make rent kind of thing? Mm. And, and it's interesting because there's no clarity. So consistency against this pure signal about talking about this ecosystem within which you inhabit is really powerful. Um, and, and that's very simply done. You don't have to dress it up. Sure, you can evolve and over time, it makes sense to have a decent hook at the start if you did video. Certainly need that kind of pattern interrupt or hook in that first line of your copy. And a call to action, even if at the end of the, of the, of the text in your post, the call to action is, you know, do you agree with this? Or what's your opinion on this to stimulate conversation? Those basics are things you can you can pick up fairly quickly and, and just again by being consistent, but remembering that you should be deploying the majority of your time in finding people and going and getting your audience and engaging with them because then they will see you, then they will show up, then they will start co commenting on, on the content. Whenever people have problems with engagement, it's almost never the content. It's almost always their lack of distribution because people don't care about them enough at this point you know so that's where you need to focus is what you just mentioned what you call the three c's of linkedin the three c's are part of the uh the basics of linkedin course glad you mm -hmm. mentioned it Laura. thanks um so the three c's start with content and it's mm -hmm. in order of importance so i'm i'm not devaluing content but i'm just placing it in third place it's still important okay because some people get triggered and say no content's really important <laughs> i i concur it yeah. is important but <laughs> place so content that's quality and starts conversations if you look at all the people that are very successful invariably they don't share other people's stuff because the algorithm throttles traffic where to to things that share they it rewards you starting native posts okay so mm -hmm. your own posts so content that's quality that stimulates conversation the second c is connections and connection building so you should be connecting with two types of people. One is sure the people who may buy your product or those in their ecosystem who could influence that decision. That's actually the smallest portion. 
the larger portion is is the peers and the network and the people who would show up for your content and those that help distribute it. Seth Godin calls them the sneezers. And so these are the people who are like, they will viralize. It's so topical. They will viralize, if you like, the, the, the content uh, because they're the ones with 80, 100, 600,000 followers. And they're like, oh, Richard's posted. Oh, I love your stuff, Richard. Oh, that's really cool. That's a really good point. You're such a legend in sales. And, and they post stuff like, they write stuff like that. And then LinkedIn feeds more people to it because big hitters are showing up. And whether you like it or not, those people, when courted, will, if they show up, will help elevate the post. And so, you know, there's no nobility. I want to make this clear for the record. There's no nobility in having wonderful content and refusing to use any tags or anything to distribute it because you know, well, like, it's good. It should be good enough on its own, but that's just not how it works. It's just absurd. So it makes sense to distribute it properly. And that's where your time should be spent. So that's the community side. And mm -hmm. that's the, the biggest part is getting down. Like the way I've described it on the course is you get down from your throne and you actually go out and get to the audience yourself. And it starts mm -hmm. with you on other people's content, mm -hmm. philanthropically writing valuable content, uh, comments to them and, um, and getting them to say, oh, thank you. That's, a, that's really nice of you to show up to my content. And you do that a few times, you start becoming familiar, then they will check you out through curiosity and there's some sense of reciprocity there. So what I would do is regularly, so every day, show up, check out people you find valuable who are heavy hitters as well and become familiar by showing up on their content, not becoming familiar through trying to get them to show up on yours by tagging them all the time. Mm -hmm. No one wants to jump into a piece of content when they get tagged on it all the time if there's no relationships prior to it, which is why Jeff Weiner is a really bad idea for someone to tag because he's not going to see it because you've not, you're not connected to Jeff. It might work once every thousand posts, but it probably won't. So connect to people who see value in what you're doing and then tag them meaningfully. But remember, the relationships are what drive this. Um, so those three C's really matter, content, connections, and community. Okay, love that. Yeah, I was like, three C's, I don't know what they are. <laughs> How much time do you spend on LinkedIn per day or per week? It's a good question. Actually, very little amount of time. I would say cumulatively about an hour in a day. That's it. Oh, and people think that's like, good. I'm on there all the time. I'm actually not. I'm on there to post. I'm on there to check in and, and like respond to some of the comments. I do my mm -hmm. best to get through them and often I can't and people are cool with it. It's okay. Um, but then I'm on there also um, like momentarily for a couple of clients where I'm helping with their content, I'll check in and, and, and work with that. But then the, probably the rest of the hour is spent showing up in, in comments either on my posts or mm -hmm. most likely on other people's. And you and outsource I'm, the creation of the content. I, I do, yeah. yes. Originally yeah. I didn't. So but I always write the copy. Yeah. Okay. There's that makes a, sense. It needs to be my flavor. Um, <laughs> and so, so I write it with my kind of vibe, you know. And it has and to my, be authentic. My little English charm, exactly yeah. right. <laughs> Otherwise everyone will be like, hang on, you don't say y'all in, in <laughs> London. What's going on? So which is obviously how all American copywriters uh, write. So yeah. it would it would give away, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so Let's say I'm, I'm uh, building my brand, being authentic, you know, doing yeah. my thing on LinkedIn. What KPIs, what metrics should I be looking for to signify that I am growing and I'm 
getting to a place where, okay, this is going to be a reliable sales funnel for me great and my brand. That's a great question. You should never, ever look at your following ever. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ever. It doesn't matter. Don't be comparative with others as well. There's plenty of people who've got the same following as me who are crushing it. That's because they always start every post with, I might, my tears are in my eyes as I write this, or this is the hardest post, you know, all the emotional stuff. And you're like, well, you're going to do fine with your visibility, but you know, mm. it's that kind of stuff they'll do well in. And then there's people who do terribly, who got three times or 10 times their following. So don't be comparative at all. Um, the KPIs should, should start, if you look at the three C's, the content, try and do something each day. If you're interested in what you can get away with <laughs> as a minimum, <laughs> And that yeah. would, that should be, it shouldn't be indefinitely getting away with it. It's like for one week, if you're having a nightmare, then you could post three times in a week, mm-hmm. but like you need to show up a bit more. Otherwise you're falling off people's radar once a week's kind of pointless if you're trying to grow. And some people might may find an exception, but that's typically not the case. Um, in terms of connections, I would suggest you do apply a KPI like three to five people per day that you connect with that are well-researched who has, you know, and there'll be maybe if it's five people and everyone does have time for this. Okay. You know, I'm homeschooling two days a week and and stuff like that. So I I have time, other people have time. And so if you have like, even if it's just five a day, two people potentially could buy or relevant to the space within you operate within which you operate. And the other three are maybe more influence based or network um, uh, creators. And I can't overstate the importance of, of, of being close with them. Um, and so start DM conversations with them. None of the, uh, like it makes me, it hurts to even say it out loud, but none of the, the messages like, I wanted to join, to connect with like-minded individuals, <laughs> or I, I hoped to maybe have you in my network. LinkedIn suggested you, as if to say like, I've been forced or coerced <laughs> into a connection request. It's far more effective to, to dare to do this revolutionary new technique of spending like seven seconds on their profile and actually read the thing and then comment on that in a, in a connection note instead. So I connect meaningfully, basically, Hey, I saw your post. It's really clever. I like how you said this thing, which Mm -hmm. suggests I'd actually read the thing. And so it's just a good idea to do that and just show up for them that way. Having those each day, like three a day is nothing, but that's 90 a month. That's Mm -hmm. over a thousand a year and you have time for it. And like, it's very little things that in, in your business day would supersede like when, like when your um, tutor told you in 2012 to build a LinkedIn profile, it's good advice in hindsight, very few things that will supersede building a network mm-hmm. that can help you with converting. You talk about funnel as well in terms of community building and what's essentially is that kind of, it kind of is important to get the distribution, but your content should be done in a way where possibly once a week, you have something a bit more meaningful in terms of a post with, with a, a call to action that is designed to get people to kind of lift their hand up and say, here's an area that I actually am struggling with or might need help with or is interesting to me that is aligned with where you can operate. And the thing right now, we're obviously recording this late, like mid-late 2020, but the thing right now is polls. They are gold for leads. Because if you write a poll with three options and a fourth being other, add whatever, but three options of, you know, things that you find difficult in the world of sales, for instance, and you get 400 people vote because they're giving loads of bandwidth to polls, of course, 
then you've got 150 people saying, I have a problem with converting leads on LinkedIn. Well, you know, you've now got a list of leads and you can legitimately send them a direct message saying, hi, Laura, thanks so much for voting on the poll. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. What made you click on that voting option out of interest? And like, oh, it's because woe is me. I have no money. I cannot convert anyone. And then you've got a conversation uh, that's actually a bit more authentically based on them say, saying, you know, I've got a bit of a problem with something. So you can't miss with, with, with lead gen. But if, but if you're just waiting, as the myth is peddled at the moment, if you're just waiting for people to come to you and bang over some DM saying, hey, can I buy your product, please? Then that's a bit patchy. And that's not really a good way of running a business unless you're a mega influencer with 300,000 active followers, which we're not yet for most of us. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like I, I can ask you so many questions about LinkedIn because can. I'm, I'm well, I'm always on the platform and you know, some days I just don't feel like, you know, posting and engaging with other people. Sometimes I just want to scroll through and that's okay too. But we have to remember that we're not going to grow our audience. We're not going to get the results we want if that's what we're doing that day. I, I would say if you are really not feeling it and a repost isn't going to happen and you, you can spend, you're going to spend 10 minutes, find content of interesting people and write a meaningful comment with the three key elements. So one will be that you tag them so they get the notification you've written something. Two, that you've written a meaningful point about their content and three that you've stimulated a response from them so maybe ask a question as well mm -hmm. a comment like that really brings them to it shows that you've been bothered to read properly and makes them want to engage with you that's a really good use of your time if you did that three times a day i mean that's a good alternative to not having time to do a post but a lot of the time these mm -hmm. are excuses yeah i think we might have to do a another interview to get more of your insight and see where you're at in the <laughs> next six months or something. Cause now how many, really cool. yeah, like, like we can, I'm going to apply everything you told me. And then in six months we see where, what happened. We can do that'd that. Be amazing. Because think of all the things you would have done by then you would have done the course. You would have watched mm -hmm. all the live streams and applied everything I've suggested in this episode. That'd be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly where I'm going to be in six months. <laughs> it's being recorded. It's great. <laughs> you're, you're not accountable to it i'll, I'll be checking up um, yeah no, i've really enjoyed it i would love to come back again thank you very much and yeah. uh this awesome podcast so i wish you the best for it yeah well thank you and just before we end i have one question that i ask everybody and right. i think we kind of touched upon it before but this is called the no formula podcast because there is no formula to success. So my question to you is, what do you think is your formula that got you to where you are today? Good question. I like yeah. the idea of no formula as well, because I often say there's no wrong or right, there's just what works. Mm -hmm. and that, that works for me too. Formula for success is putting intentional action ahead of how I feel about doing it each day. So if I felt like not doing it, that's superseded by the fact I have to actually just get on and do it. And I think I, I like that approach. It is a good way of keeping discipline. So that's what I'm doing. I'm very intentional about the outcomes I'm driving towards each day. And if I don't feel like it, too bad, do it anyway. And that's kind of the approach I have. And that seems, it means that on the down days, I still deliver a fair bit. And on the good days, well then great, I did really well. But I'm always showing up. And again, the consistency is the theme there. 
I love that. That's a great formula to your success, Richard. Well, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and being here with us today. You're very welcome. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Before ending this episode, I want to highlight Richard's 12 LinkedIn tips that he shared with us today. One, distribute your posts. Two, your posts should stimulate conversations. Three, you need to reward early engagement on your posts. Four, Richard recommends posting every day to stay on people's radar. Five, don't shy away from repurposing content from different platforms. Six, consider reusing old content if you have nothing to post one day. Seven, batch create your content. Eight, Connect with at least three people per day who would be interested in your product or service. Nine, be authentic. That means don't be fluffy, provide valuable information, quality content. 10, your post should include a hook, your branding, and a call to action. 11, ignore the metrics. And 12, if you want to grow your business on LinkedIn, you need to show up every single day. You need to stay disciplined. Share this episode with your LinkedIn connections. Thank you so much for listening, everyone.